ladies and gents, welcome back. It's the show. It's Newton's Nuggets. It's the one and only Newton's Nuggets made just for Newton's you. Newton's Nuggets. Yes. We've, sorry, me and Jesse have just been practicing our BBC radio presenter voices. Hello. Welcome to the shipping forecast. <laughs> Liverpool one, Arsenal four. See, <laughs> we've got this, mate. Um, we've also, Jesse, do a tap dance or something because I've just realised I've broken something. Um, uh, yeah, that. Oh, we, yeah. We, uh, uh, nobody can see my feet. But yeah, I can tap dance using it. my fingers. Got it. Nice. Carry on like nothing happened. There we go. We are the professional business podcast. That, that's why we've gone back back to ye olden times because we're, we're carry on nuggets this week. Carry on nuggets? Yeah. We're carrying our nuggets or carry on nuggets? Carry on nuggets. You know, like the old carry on films. You know what? I'd, I'd still. In a minute, one of our brass is going to pop off. It's going to be very exciting. Mine's bigger than yours. <laughs> I don't want to know. That's very personal. <laughs> you know, j- Back to the business podcast. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't say. Sometimes I watch those films and you just think you couldn't do half of that now. No really couldn't and you probably shouldn't either um right business professional podcast we've got to bring this back because this the the guest this week oh my word how much did she kick my backside i i I was about to say this is one of my favorite episodes mostly by the fact that not only did paul get his bum kicked by our guests but it had me thinking all the way through the episode and then for the rest of the next two weeks, I was then going, you know what they would say. And then I was kicking his bum too. So that was great. And it, and it's still going on really, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's not just a couple uh, Honestly, of weeks, it? it's given me and Paul a few phrases and some of them we won't be able, we don't really want to share with anybody. But it's made such a big difference to the way that we approach the business that little things that we've used the teachings of our guest today. Yeah, and yeah. and come up with little things that we've just applied to our business, and we have a little phrase, a couple of little phrases that we just say to each other. And go, one of now, one of them still, now, Paul. Yeah, one of them <laughs> between me and you, it just, it makes me laugh. But the underlying message of it is, this ain't right. We've we've got yeah. to sort this out. Yeah, um, and so so I like that. I like the fact that it's an in joke between me and you. But we both know it basically means get your beep together. Come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thank you for not making me beep because uh, our guest also didn't swear. So I've got less editing to do this week. Woo-hoo! Is that why you're so happy this week? Uh, right. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Stop it. Okay. Because this intro has turned into one of the longest intros we've ever had. And we haven't even mentioned the guest. Yeah. We've mentioned guest, but not who she is. Um this is, and I'm going to try and, Vicky, I'm so sorry, I'm going to try and say your last name properly, but me and Jesse have been calling you Vicky O for, for, for far too long now that that's what is stuck in my head. So this, the guest today is a young lady called Vicky Ostrowski. My, oh, well done, well, Paul. Thank you, mate. mate. You have no idea how much I was worried about that. Um, <laughs> and oh my word, I've, I've known Vicky a couple of years now. Um, we got introduced properly a few months ago by Jay Unwin, who's also been on the show. Um, and do you know what? She's she's now I I now think of her as a really good friend. Um, but oh my word, you will hear in the interview that she kicks my butt 
during the interview. And I'll be blatantly honest with you, what you hear in the interview was probably, and I'm going to look at Jesse, about 10% of, of what she really went to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, to the point that we carried on talking so much after the interview that my brain is messed up on how much was in the interview and how much was not recorded and will never see the light of day. Yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting one because there's some stuff in there that we might stick in the Patreon. But if we're going to do that, I'm going to really have to edit that down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please remove all mentions of my bank account. Okay. Good man. Good man. Um, right, should we go straight to the interview and then have a proper chat afterwards? Let's do it. See you in a minute, guys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited about this one. This poor lady that we've got in today. I'll be honest with you. We've done most of our chatting over LinkedIn. Um, I, I'm, I'm now concerned because... The reality is the conversation that we just had in, in the green room type area before we start recording stuff, I don't think I can ever repeat any of it. It was just wrong and just far too funny. So, ladies and gents, I want to introduce you to my buddy, Vicky. Vicky, say hello to everyone. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. I did see that she sounds all professional now. If you'd heard the things we were saying about 10 minutes ago, that was just so wrong. Vicky. I'm going to ask you that horrible question. The first question I ask everybody, which is, if there are people out there that don't know you, why should they spend half an hour listening to me and you guessing on? Oh, well, for, for a start, I can help people work less hours and make more money. And if We like that, that start. If that doesn't work for people, then I do sound very much like Joe Brand. Oh, my <laughs> word, yes, you do. So if those two things keep people interested for half an hour, we're all good. That's just amazing. Now you've said that, I'm not going to... You'll never run here right now. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Jesse, for coughing in your ear while you're doing the editing, mate. Um, Vicky, I, me and you uh, met because of LinkedIn, and we started chatting because of LinkedIn, and Jay Unwin, I think it was, first introduced us to each other. It was, yeah. And do you know what? Your LinkedIn posts, whenever I see them come up, I always go, oh, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to have a read because Thank you. I, yeah, I'll be honest with you, mate. I like your attitude to money. I really do. And I see, I see LinkedIn. Now, Jesse and I have, we've had discussions about this a lot and we both feel the same way about this. Mm -hmm. We don't want people on here that are buying themselves a brand new Bugatti. No. We, we don't want the people that are saying, if you don't have your own private jet, then you're unsuccessful. No. But what I've seen you do is open people's minds up to being allowed to be successful. Oh, thank you. And, and I just like that. So, so what do you do? How do you help people? Tell us everything. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not one of those coaches who will tell you to have a better relationship with money by imagining the, the Bugatti, imagining the house with 27 bedrooms and 14 bathrooms because that's not right for everybody. It's kind of an unobtainable goal for so many people. If you think you take somebody who's earning maybe two or three grand a month and they're ticking on nicely, but they know they can achieve more, if you suddenly start talking to them in massive numbers of a hundred grand or more, their brain just can't relate to it because that's not what they know. 
So I help people incrementally find the success that's right for them. And I think that's the key for me is it's what's right for them. Not everybody wants to make a hundred grand a month. Not everybody feels that that's a necessity. Not everybody actually has the resources in order to do that. You know, I can help anybody make whatever they choose to make. But equally, I don't come from a space of assuming that everybody wants to be multimillionaires because that's just not true. So I was a once upon a time an accountant. And um, but, you know, don't hold that against me. And in doing that, I kind of discovered that people's problems with money was never the money. It was always beliefs around money. It was things they'd been told. It was things they'd been brought up believing and seeing and hearing. And that's predominantly what I work with. So it's everybody's kind of funky money stuff. Yeah. And we kind of chip away at that and then get them to a space of really understanding what makes them tick, why they believe the things they do, why they do the things they do, why perhaps they've not been able to sort of hit a certain level. And then we work to get them to where they want to be. So that's that's how I work. Mate, I like that. I'm a realist as well. You know, it's like I I don't presume that everybody wants to achieve the same thing because we don't. And that's just the fact of life. No, on my work, my my wife and I, we are so polar opposite on on how we do things. Yeah. If I believe she she was the same as me and did things exactly the same as me all the time, I'd, I'd be stabbed by now, to be honest with you. <laughs> she'd have just given up on me by now. Um, but you're right, none of us are the same. No. So why is it then that all of these gurus seem to think that I want to buy a Learjet? Because that's kind of... There was a big movement about sort of 15 years ago of, you know, in order to be successful, you had to look the part, you had to be draped over the Range Rover. You know, I've, I've had a Range Rover at four foot ten. That's actually embarrassing. It's not cool. You know, so. <laughs> I now want to see you getting in the Range Rover. <laughs> you get a really, really good system of swinging yourself in on the, on the steering wheel. But, um, But that was what was kind of presented to us in the personal development world about 15 years ago. And that's what a lot of people have clung to. And that's what a lot of coaches have clung to. But, you know, and that is right for some, but we don't all want the kind of Dubai playboy lifestyle. And you can be successful without having the Range Rover, the Learjet, the Bugatti, the, you know, the 26 holidays. You don't have to present yourself on a laptop, on a beach in Bali. You can still be successful because success will look different to everybody. This is it. Right. This is this is what confuses some people that know me. And I've still got friends that are telling me I've done things wrong. Okay. Okay. But I walked away from the corporate world uh, 13 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Because I wanted to be dad more than I wanted to be doing 80, 90 hours a week for the corporate. And now, don't get me wrong, when when we made that choice, I was already doing magic shows. So yeah. I already had a self-employed income. Yeah. And we knew that I could walk away and try and build that business a bit more and it would be enough. Mm-hmm. But my target was never to earn 10 grand a month. It was to cover the bills and be at home as much as possible. Yeah. And I had friends that were, you know, travelling into London to they'd disappear Sunday evening, not see their kids until Saturday morning, and they're telling me I'm doing it wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the the point that the catalyst for me to do this work was um, in 2008 when the credit crunch kicked in. I used to own a building firm, and I owned that with somebody else. It was never my dream. It was always somebody else. Sorry, you, you you went quite far. You owned a building firm. 
Yeah, I owned a building company. So you weren't <laughs> working as the accountant for a building firm, you owned the building firm. I'd done the accounts and I also owned the building firm, yeah, with, with my then partner. So okay. I would spend I would spend some of my days in rigger boots and fleeces, traipsing yeah. across building sites. It was not my dream. But when the credit crunch kicked in, building was the first to go. So, you know, yeah. our business just went down the toilet and my partner done a midnight flip. So the catalyst to me running the business that I do now was having to step back and think, OK, so I've had a lot because the business was when it was good, it was really, really good. Yeah. I've been really happy with a little. I've been really happy with a lot. I've been really miserable with a little. I've been really miserable with a lot. So that then got me to start to research. And I still, to this day, research it because it just intrigues me. How come everybody's so different with money? How come my partner up and done a midnight flip? And how come I know that I can be happy with a little and happy with a lot? So it's clearly not the money that's creating that happiness. It's surely about other things. So then I kind of started a 15 year cycle or nearly 15 year cycle of investigating what makes people tick. And it's not always money. No, no, I completely. And I can help you make more money, but it's we (coughs) usually find and actually getting rid of the stuff that's stopping you making more. You start to discover what it is that's really important to you. Like you said, you know, I was a single parent for years. I could have had copious amounts of money but I'll never get that time with my kids again no you know they're 22 and 25 now if I'd have spent all of that time working then you know what was the point well this is it and and me and you had a chat about this very recently on LinkedIn as always um about about the, the target should be happy yeah and when you put that post up about you know I've been happy in this situation I've been happy in that situation I, I think I responded with something like, happy has always been my target. Absolutely, you did. <clears throat> now, unfortunately, that means my bank account isn't that great. Um, but, you know, I can blame that on COVID right now. Honest. We, can on, we can blame it on any amount of things. But equally, that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about is I don't want people to have to choose either. <clears throat> I can be successful or have a good bank balance. Or yeah, why can't we have day. both? You can have both. And See, this is I why she's here, Jesse. I like her. I <laughs> like Vicky. Because right. I, th- I think we can have both. And you don't have to be greedy over either of them. No, no. And I think greed is purely subjective as well, because I hear that a lot. I hear people say, I would earn more, but I would be greedy. Says who? Oh, yeah. And so therefore they're stopping themselves because they don't want to be seen as greedy. These are things that we probably got told when we were growing up, to be honest. It's like, oh, can you know, can can I have more pocket money? No, don't be greedy. Yeah. Your unconscious mind is like a massive room of an infinite amount of filing cabinets. And everything we've seen, heard, and experienced, usually before the age of seven, is stored away for prosperity. So when you're kind of pushing forward as an adult. You don't know what it is. It's almost like an invisible bungee cord. And then you're telling yourself all of these stories like, well, I'd love a 10 grand month, but, you know, people think I'm greedy. Or I'd love to do more, but people will think that I'm kind of arrogant or brash. These yeah. are all things that we brought with us. And they're purely subjective. Because most people, if they matter to you, wouldn't care if you were making 10 grand a month, as long no. as you turn into a bit of an asshole. 
well, this is it. And and we all could turn into that quite easily. Yeah. Um, you see people who have been lovely and then they win the lottery millions and turn into absolute gits. Oh, that's another story for another day about how many yeah, lottery millionaires I, go broke. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I honestly, when, when lottery millionaires go broke, again, I think it, part of it's down to what you're saying about the mindset, not believing they deserve. They haven't been in that space before. And that's no. clearly something that's not being done there. You know, they're taught maybe investment and all of that type of thing and how to manage the money as physical money. But they actually haven't changed how their belief system around their worthiness of that money. So they'll go out spending like it's going out of fashion and then three years later, they'll be broke. Happens a lot. Do you know what? I, there's, a, there's, a part, there's a voice in the back of my head that is telling me that Jesse set this up. <laughs> it really, because it, you're, you're teaching here, the, way, the things that you're trying to help all of the listeners with right now is actually something that Jesse has been beating me up about for quite a while. Is it really? Yeah, because I, <clears throat> okay, um, I, right. So as a magician, I have never been the cheapest magician. I, I can do stuff that a lot of other magicians just can't. And I like being on stage and a lot of them don't. And I've never been that you'll be able to get Paul for a hundred quid magician at all. Glad to hear okay? it. So I'm, I, I think I'm kind of top end for the prices of a magician. However, what I'm doing now with mental theft, getting asked to speak in some amazing places and some amazing mm -hmm. venues, I still had the mindset of a magician that believes he's earning too much anyway. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I've changed the arena. I've, I'm in a different arena and I see other speakers who are lovely and I get on with them fine. And they're charging like 10, 15, 30 grand to go and talk. Yeah. And there's me going, oh, no. Oh, I'll oh, take no. a tenner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Can I, can I get a free buffet and cover my petrol? And do you, do you see what I mean? Because I don't see myself as one of the high level speakers in that world. Because you've removed yourself from what you're familiar with and your unconscious mind's job is to keep you safe and you're safe where you were. So you feel probably like a bit of an imposter in this other arena. So charging those rates is alien yeah. to you. Yeah, it was we really, really it, got, it got so, um, it got so <laughs> weird for me that I kind of put Jesse in charge of the pricing structure. Mm hmm because then I, I don't have to do it. It's not, it's not me quoting that. It's not me saying these Okay, prices. that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, isn't it? And thinking the way that you've just been speaking, I'm kind of like, wow. I've, I've purposely just gone, I can't handle that. That's too weird for me. I'm backing mm -hmm. off. Um, but that's actually not a negative thing per se, because at least you've handed it to Jesse to actually deal with it for you. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just going, oh, I'll do it for a tenner. Uh, yeah, and this is it. You could so easily, especially in the speaking world, you could so easily fall into the, I'll just do it for expenses. Yes. Yeah. I actually had a conversation with somebody this morning who's been offered a speaking gig, and they were like, oh, what do you think? And I gave her the price that I suggested. And she was like, oh, I was going to do it for £100. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'd suggested 15 times that for, you know, what she'd explained was sort of going on. Yeah. 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 
Um, so I've just uh, just put a quote in for a company that <clears throat> it, it was quite typical. An inquiry came in. I got the inquiry first. Was looking at it there. <clears throat> went to quote, and and I was thinking, okay, we'll we'll put this at about the one thousand one one two mark. Okay, mm-hmm. and Jesse looked at it and went, "That's two and a half grand at least." I was like, "Yeah, but," and and the amount of times I said, "But." actually made me annoyed okay <laughs> and then he turned back around and he went he looked at the company at all and i went no why I, I just dealt with nice lady who's made the inquiry and he went yeah last year they made a profit of 11 million wow and they're asking you to come in to talk about how to make their cyber security better and safer and more secure and i was like oh See, the the value in that and the snowball effect of the value in that is incredible. So it's not just about the two and a half grand or 1,200 quid that you are going to charge them. (laughs) It's about actually what it's going to save them long term. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what you've got to kind of look at. You've got it. And this is what I work with with a lot of people. It's like, okay, so you're not just selling your hour of your time. You're selling what they put in place as a consequence of you presenting that what they what they will save as a consequence of not having all of their servers hacked. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. a massive value attached to it, not just that hour of your time. That's it. Yeah. And and yeah, he has set this up, hasn't he? He's got <laughs> to have set this up because I I now understand it that I need to concentrate more on the value of what they're going to gain out of me. Absolutely. And also the value of your knowledge is priceless. You know, they wouldn't want you there to talk about this if there was 2000 people available to talk about this. They want you for a reason. And you've got to sort of believe in that, because this is what I work with daily with people. You know, if you think about it, we're probably our generation is the first generation that's changed things up quite a lot, I suspect. So generations before us, it was very much you go to work, you get paid, you get your hourly rate, you do your work, you work nine to five, and then you come home. And there's still a lot of that conditioning in us. There's still a lot of that belief system in us that how can I charge this rate when I'm only doing an hour's kind of work? And it's because it's not just about the hour. No, you're right. And actually, I think I'm very lucky in that because my mum and dad own their own business. Mm -hmm. And my brother is a sole trader and doing his own stuff. And he's got a job on the side as well, which just amuses me. Um, But because of that, I never grew up with the attitude of I'm always going to be in a job. Mm -hmm. And then, and then I've got friends whose families have always had jobs and always been nine to five. And they think of that as normal. And they look at what I'm doing and they're like, Oh, we can never do that. Yeah. And I'd look at what they're doing and think, I could never do that. I've never had a proper job per se. I've run my own businesses since I was 19. And the amount of times, if I had a pound for every single time somebody had said to me over the years, why don't you get yourself a nice little job or a proper job? Yeah. Yeah. Then I could retire on that alone because we don't understand how they operate. I can, I mean, I've left the house sometimes early in the morning to go, you know, maybe to a networking meeting. Yeah. You get stuck in traffic and you look across the traffic and they all look so miserable. And it's like, how are they doing this day in, day out, five days a week? I cannot think of anything worse. You know, so we can't understand that mindset. 
whereas they can't understand us doing something different on a work day. Yep. So this is what I mean. And this all brings us back around to what I said at the beginning, you know, beginning. This is why I work the way that I do, because not everybody's the same. Everybody's different. Everybody has the same value set, um, different value set, sorry. Everybody has different beliefs. Everybody has different hopes, dreams, and aspirations. It, nothing annoys me more than the money mindset, quote unquote, coaches who just sort of call <laughs> whose first port of call with any client is go off and write me a list of five really expensive things that you love that's no just no so much no for that (laughs) i completely agree now don't get me wrong i i like having some goals um and and actually do you know what i'll share one of them is one of them is uh we currently live in a three-bedroom terraced house which i love Okay, mm-hmm. and and it was out the first place we bought together, and it's turned into the family home for my amazing daughter. But you know what? I kind of want a house that doesn't have neighbours on the other side of a wall. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, and I don't think that's that's not being greedy. Um, no, that's not trying to be sh- trying to show off. I just think that actually, with the business that I've got, at some point we should be able to buy a detached house. Absolutely. And there's, again, there's nothing greedy in wanting what you want. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That's not greedy. That's you just wanting to better yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all it is. And I, I just think uh, with the stuff that we're doing, that should be normal. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong. I've also said this publicly on the show before, that I actually think if if... If something went nuts and somebody bought Newton's Nuggets for a few million pounds, I honestly think me and Jesse wouldn't have much money very quickly because we'd find loads of good causes to go and help. (laughs) (laughs) Because we do that now and we haven't got enough money. So do do you see what I mean? That's always in the back of my head that I'm going to find something else to help with, to do work on a project with. And I would probably lose a lot of my own money but still be okay to stay afloat. But if it's your money, this is this is one of my real sort of firm beliefs. If it's your money, if it's not hurting anybody else, if it's not causing anybody any problems, if it's not causing yourself to sort of like have difficulties, you don't have to ask permission to do whatever you want with it. It's completely up to you. And it took me a long, long time to come to that kind of realisation because I was brought up in an environment whereby I felt like I had to justify spending money all of the time. You know, how much did that cost? New shoes, new handbag. Yeah. And I kind of got into this habit of not wanting to appear arrogant. So I say, oh no, no, I've had it for ages or it was 20 pound in the sale. Or because my mum had struggled her entire life to bring us up, I didn't want her thinking that I was almost being you know, disrespectful of her struggle by being, you know, in your face with anything that I'd achieved. So I would always kind of knock it back. But as I've got older and as I've researched what I do and sort of do more work with my clients, as long as you've not stolen that money off of an old lady, you don't have to justify how you spend it to anybody, anybody at all, nobody's business. There's so much money shaming that goes on in our society these days. And people feel that they have to justify, you know, 
oh, don't worry, the salesman knocked 500 quid off for me. It's like, so what? Who cares? doesn't matter. Yeah, it's so right. It's just a vast subject. It's one that I love and sort of, you know, nothing, nothing surprises me now, but I'm still always learning something new. But it, it feels feel almost like, just, right, I'm going to talk about in England now because that's the only real experience I have of this conversation. Mm-hmm. But in my experience in the UK, it feels like you kind of want to shy away from doing too well because everyone else would then go, oh, well, it's all right for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. It's a very kind of, and it's not even a British thing. My husband's actually American and you do see it sort of, you know, it's not just a British thing at all. It's like, oh, you must be doing okay for yourself, driving a nice new car. And it makes you feel almost shameful of what you've achieved. Yeah. And I I even have clients come across and go, oh, you wouldn't understand. You could not even begin to understand how hard it is for me. There's almost some kind of like badge of honour in struggle. Yeah. And there's there's really not. We, We don't have to struggle to be noble. There's no nobility in struggle. Do you know what? One of the sayings that I absolutely detest is when people go, oh, yeah, but it's all right for you. It's like, you, you don't know what I did to get here. You have absolutely no idea. No, When people say that to me, oh, it's all right for you. I do go back to that point in time when my business tanked, when it was, you know, during the credit crunch. It's, it's not cool to be stood in Sainsbury's in your 600 pound stiletto heels with your fake nails and your Gucci purse and not a single one of your credit cards is accepted. Yeah. You know, so I do know what it's like to be on your ass. Oh, Vicky, I've just you know. had a memory of me and Kat literally pouring coins into a coin star machine at Tesco's Yeah, mm-hmm. so that we could buy food that week. Yeah. But That's- when you're doing well, people don't ever sort of know about your struggles. Yeah. And that's why we play it down quite often because we don't want people that may be struggling to actually feel worse about it. Yeah, I've just around about the coin star machine time as well. I just remembered that that me and Kat both had some gold jewelry that we never really wore. Mm-hmm. So so we went and sold that to one of those, you know, high street places that said we buy gold. We buy gold. Yeah. And, and don't you know. And, uh, when when my business tanked, you know, I had lots of expensive shoes and lots of expensive handbags, but that's what fed my kids for the next three months. Selling yeah. them on eBay. Yeah. You know, and I've had that stuff and it didn't make me happy, but I was really grateful of it when I needed it. But this is kind of what people get wrong. In order to give the impression that they're successful, they'll buy this stuff first. Yeah. And then they'll have to sell it when they hit hard times because it was all smoke and mirrors. And this is why I say success isn't about the Gucci handbag. It isn't about the, you know, the posh car in the drive. It's whatever you choose for it to be. And that yep. may be making enough money to go and help homeless people or to do something, you know, something else with your money. It's entirely an individual choice. And, and you know what? For me, it'll be things like um, having enough money to do those days out that were out yes. of reach before. Absolutely. And uh, you know, I had, oh, I you've somebody, made me think far too much. Vicky. I can see your thinking really hard. I can see you, yeah. Um, and that's good. And that's what I like to do. I like to kind of invoke sort of you know 
people to think on a different level because in thinking that you know and you're not out you're not alone we all have these these moments we've all had struggles we've all had peaks and troughs 80 percent of the population have some kind of funky money stuff that they've got to overcome and that's you know that's a lot of eighty percent, and the other twenty percent are usually psychopaths. So you know, they just don't have any emotion attached to anything. So, so I just want to check. I'm not aiming to be in that twenty percent, right? No, it's not cool to be in that twenty percent because okay, okay. that twenty percent are likely to be the twenty percent who will sell their children to the gypsies for their money. You know, for money. You know, I've been told I'm not allowed to sell the child. Allowed to sell the child? No, please no. don't. But no, those are the kind of people who will do something. You know, they'll they'll probably go the extra mile to make money for the sake of making money in doing yeah. things like robbing banks or robbing people, things like that. So that twenty percent don't have the emotions or the stuff attached to money that we do. But equally, yeah. they probably won't have emotions attached to much because they're wired differently. But about eight, and it, and there's such a broad expanse of you know what people struggle with. I work with incredibly wealthy people who still worry that if they do better, then their friends will think badly of them. And other people who, if they do better, their, their, parents, will, their parents will think they're vain or arrogant or cocky. And then on the flip side, I, uh, I'll be careful here. I've, I, I have an acquaintance. I wouldn't say he's a, he's a close buddy, but I know him well enough to call him. Um, but he's got really nice house. Mm-hmm. Two very nice Aston Martins, but next to no friends. Yeah. And I kind of look at that and I go, you're a lovely bloke, but nobody cares because you don't care about them. I know people and have actually worked with people who have toiled to reach a certain financial kind of, you know, goal and then stopped when they've reached it and looked back and thought, OK, so I have no friends. I've yeah. not got a relationship. I have no children, so I have no legacy to kind of pass on to them. But hey, I've got my seven million pounds in the bank. Yeah, yeah, because I can now print out that receipt from the ATM that's got seven million on it. Yeah. (sighs) What a life. I I don't want that. There is no right or wrong. And I'm not, you know, and that's what I always say to everybody that I work with. There is no right or wrong. I'm not about to tell anybody what they should be aiming for. That's for them to decide and I'll help them get that. Do you know what? Um, I've got a buddy called Chris Dawes who's been on the show, mm-hmm. and he walks out on a rubbish job. His words were a lot more nasty towards that job, <laughs> and he's built a website business that employs him and his wife, freelancers. I think he's got about seven freelancers working for him now. Yeah, and he says he's like, Paul. The best thing is I can do the school run whenever I want, mm-hmm. and I never work when the chase is on. Because I'm watching that. And, and, and you know what? There's just something beautiful about that. Yeah. Isn't there? That in his mind, he's just gone, you know what? I don't care if I'm sat there in a onesie. I am watching the chase. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Man, why Absolutely. not? Absolutely. And if that's important to him, then great. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that, was, that was what I loved. You know, I've always worked for myself. I always took my kids to school. Mostly I picked them up. You know, I seen their first steps. I heard their first words. That wasn't somebody else's experience. And if I've achieved, if I achieve nothing else in my lifetime, you know, those moments are priceless. They weren't, they weren't a child minders to experience. So, you know, to me, that meant that I'd achieved success quite early on. 
Yeah. And I had one guy say to me recently, oh, I'm not intimidated working by working with you because you're not successful. <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, okay. I said, says who? But because I'm not one of these people who's rocking up on social media, draped across my Range Rover or stood in front of my footballer's wife's house. Yeah. Some who were still very much attached to that materialism, I would be deemed as not successful. You know, I live in a tiny little house in deepest, darkest Somerset countryside. You know, to the outside world, I don't look like I'm living the dream, but I'm in a really, really good place. And that's what I help other people achieve. But that's uh, but do you know what I want to end the show on that statement because that that should be the most important thing in everyone's lives. It is how happy are you? Yeah, do what's right for you. Your happiness is nobody else's business. Yeah. Okay. Right. I'm gonna because I'm, I'm now in a very happy place. I like this. Thank you so much yes, for coming. I am glad. Um, would you, so how would I work with you? Would you just, just for an example, have you ever had any clients that, you know, were magicians who are now speakers and they're trying to navigate through that world? Just just wondering. There's a first time for everything. <laughs> I like that answer. So if people want to work with you, is it all one-to-one stuff? Is it, how do they work? There's a couple of ways that I work with people. Um, one-to-one is obviously, you know, sort of like my premium offer. But I've also got a sort of 12-month course offering. So you still get me one-to-one, but it's in a group setting. So those are two ways to work with me. You can find me at vicky-o.com and you can book a call with me there. Or I hang out on LinkedIn. There's not many Vicky O's. I'm quite, um, you know, quite easy to find. And um, I'm also on Facebook. And we are connected now on LinkedIn. So anyone listening to this... Absolutely. If you need it, if you just need ask to find me. I'll me. Do, yeah, I'll happily do an introduction to Vicky. Um, but also we've found, because I always say that, I always say to people, look, come to me if you want, and I'll, I'll introduce you to whoever mm-hmm. the guest is. But I've also found that sometimes people don't want to admit to me or Jesse that they want to work with that person. So if they you want to go direct... With the type of work that I do, some people don't like to admit that they need my help, if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah completely and, um you know because again you know we have been brought up as a society to you know feel that there's something a little bit sordid about saying do you know what i need some help with my money kind of stuff so yeah so find me direct i'm very i'm very easygoing i hope you sort of get that from listening to me do you um, know what and, yeah. and honest, right jesse will get this reference jesse i want a new car I don't, I've, I've, Vicky, since I've been self-employed and that's been my mm. only, only income, I've always said that I buy cars at about seven or eight years old and I drive yeah. them onto the ground. Okay. Right. But yeah. I, I keep looking around now and going, oh, that's pretty. Oh, that's nice. I like this and I like that. So I'm currently driving a, oh God, we've gone into another year, a 13 year old Ford Focus, which the reality is everything on it is fine, okay? It, it's, it's a good car. It will get me to wherever I want. But I'm kind of looking now and going, Vicky's right. If I want something because why I want it, it, why not go for it? Yeah. Uh, what are you telling yourself? What are you telling yourself is the reasons that you can't have a new car? You know what just done it for me? It was when you said... I, I used to justify everything. Mm-hmm. When you said that, and I thought, oh, bugger, 
she's right. I, I've justified this and, I, I, and I've calculated it and I've made a sensible choice for nothing other than it's a sensible choice. But is that what I want anymore? I was going to say, is that what you really want? Do you really no. want to be driving a 13-year-old Focus? You don't seem like a 13-year-old Focus type of guy, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what to take from that statement. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and it, it's, it's weird because, actually, do you know what? It's, it's almost the, um, oh, we're staying afloat attitude. Mm-hmm. I've kind of had that for a bit too long. I think. We're okay. We've got a house that is more than enough. I've got a car that does more than what, I, you know, a car needs to do. But the reality is, is that what I want anymore? Yeah, I mean, lots of things in our lives will do what they want to do, but is that is actually, but is that also what's giving us the most joy? You know, if you're going to enjoy a new car and it doesn't need to be a Bugatti Veyron, it really doesn't, but you know, hey, no. that's what floats your boat. But equally, you know, if that's right for you, yeah, then yeah. that's right for you. Oh, Vicky. I get in people's heads like that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. This is my job. I'm the one who gets in other people's heads. That's not fair. It was once said, actually, that I, I see people's monetary blocks like the kitty on Sixth Sense sees dead people. And I'll take that. I thought that was quite cool. I like that. I really I like that do like that. Yeah. What, what's the matter, Vicky? I see money issues. I, <laughs> I think that's that's what it that's lovely. I like I that. see confused people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vicky, mate, we are going to have more chats about this. Um, are we okay to to put links up to your website and and point? Yeah, please to... do. That would be cool. Awesome. Um, are you all right if we we're going to neck a photo out of probably out of doing doing this show, and we'll use that to promote the show as well? Yeah, stalk me on social media, pinch a photo by all means, as long as as long as I don't find it on something kind of tenuous at a later date. Um, Oh, well, some of the sites I'm on are dodgy as hell, but, you know, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Jesse, make sure it's pretty. It's okay. It's okay. Um, right. In that case, I'm going to ask you that final question, the one I did warn you about. What is your nugget of information that you want every listener to walk away with? Do what's right for you. Oh, it's a simple one, but it is. We spend too much time and energy worrying about what the neighbours will think, what our friends will think, what our colleagues will think, what the people at the networking meeting will think. It doesn't matter. You've got to do what's right for you. Ladies and gents, thank you so much for listening to this interview. We're now going to go to the bit where me and Jessie talk about Vicky behind her back, and she doesn't get to hear that until the show goes out. Um, Vicky, do you want to say goodbye to everyone? Yeah, goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Mate, thank you so much for coming on. Seriously. You're welcome. You've just twisted my poor little old melon into... <laughs> I've got to have some thought. Jesse, I think we need a we need a management meeting or something because, ah, oh, it's Vicky's fault. Ladies and gents, <laughs> there's an advert. Then it'll come back to me and Jesse. See you in a bit. Newton's Nuggets. Ladies and gents, thank you so much for listening to Newton's Nuggets. And to all of those people that have already been on Patreon, thank you, thank you, thank you. Seriously, the supporters of Patreon are helping us keep this show going and, you know, helping me pay the electric bills 
which means I can still record the show. If you want to find our Patreon page, it's as easy as www.patreon.com forward slash Newton's Nuggets. That's www.patreon.com forward slash Newton's Nuggets. And there's some gifts on there. There's some presents on there. And some people get T-shirts. Thank you so much. And back to the show. Newton's Nuggets. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> uh, was a, was what a, you I'm... don't realise is how much fun we're having doing this record today. <laughs> I needed this today, mate. I need. I've been doing oh, far too many I, sensible things today. Uh, basically, we've both been working our backsides off for the last few weeks on a few quite big things. Yeah, and we're both a bit overtired. Both overtired. We can't tell a lot of people about a lot of the things we're working on. Um, the only people that know everything that's going on is probably me, you, Mrs. Jesse, and Mrs. Paulie. Yes, yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And and to be honest, Mrs. Jessie's probably given up listening half the time. Do you know what? I see the same face from Mrs. Paulie. That face of ah, oh, he's off again. Do you know what though? You got to be really careful because I get that glazed look from Mrs. Jessie. Yeah, and she's just there going, oh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh, and she's not really listening. No, nope. but it's all going in. Oh, oh, she knows. She knows everything. Yeah, yeah. And and when it's needed, she'll remember it. She'll put it. But anyway, enough about our marital lives. Okay. <laughs> this interview. The right? other woman in our life, Vicky O. Vicky O. Vicky o. I, and every time I say her name, I feel excited. It it just works. And um, so Vicky is doing group mastermind sets as well for people, and she's promoting them on LinkedIn right now. And on my word, uh, it just sounds amazing. Uh, she's going to be going live with them in March. So if you want information on that, obviously Jesse's going to put links to the website or contact her on LinkedIn. Seriously, amazing stuff. Um, and what a lady, what a varied background. Yeah. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> <I, laughs> uh, do you know I can't even put it into words how much how much respect I have for her and everything she's done. And you can just bet that she was kicking people's backsides on construction sites. Yeah. Um but then, I, I find what she's doing now is really interesting because it's and kind of ironic that you and I have just decided that we're uh posh radio four voices from <laughs> the olden times, but because actually what she's doing is partly down to the fact that we're all just a little bit British. Um, yeah. I, I, I know we have a, a very strangely global audience for Newton's Nuggets, um, but even some of those global audiences are expats. And it's quite interesting when you talk to like Scandinavian people about their attitudes towards money compared to to, yeah. to British people. You know, we, we just don't even like talking about money. Um. But then, you know, that that mindset of what I've got's okay and if I earn a load of money, that's okay. And yeah, well I can't be seen to be doing better than the neighbours. Yeah. Um why not? Why why? <laughs> why not? I don't get it. But but if you are struggling, then you're keeping up appearances. So it's yeah. 
it's a lose-lose with that kind of British attitude. And I think it's quite amusing, really. And buying stuff for the sake of stuff. Now, I say this knowing that I'm having a massive clear-out in our house right now. And, oh, my word, Jesse, it's brought me to tears how many times? Yeah. And and you just look at some of the stuff and you go, I would have paid for a car, all of that stuff put together. What the hell? Um, and then, right, on the subject of cars, okay, something Vicky said was, do you know what? If you want that car and you've worked hard to get that car, buy the car. <laughs> it's your money. It's your choice. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. Jesse, Jesse, I'm sorry. I'm disgusted with you now. Why? Because I'm not drinking a Newton's Nuggets branded mug. No, it's because it's the mental theft branded one and you covered up the branding. I mean, oh, sorry. Here you are. There you go. Much better. Thank you. <laughs> shall, 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 I, shall I make sure that I'm nice and close to the mic so that people know that I'm having a drink? Yeah, I mean, if you were branded with another magician, then I'd have a strop. But mental theft, that's cool. That's all right. <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Talking um, of things we've been doing a lot of work on. Um, sorry, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. She's right on the attitude of buying the car that you actually want. Because why not? And and then uh, I liked oh, Paul and I were struggling because uh, she said something to us and we can't remember if it was during the main record or if it was off air. But so I won't say exactly what it was. But basically, we're not very good at say admitting and just saying, oh, you know, we've got money issues. Yeah. And yeah. actually, people have started being able to talk about mental health issues a little bit more publicly. And I see it on social media a lot more. And it's well, I think those things are well received. People are very supportive. Um, but nobody, no, still nobody talks about the fact or uh, actually, Paul, you're one of the few people that I know that talks about it relatively openly. <laughs> uh, and even then, it's, you know, it's a... Uh, qu- quite obviously, I think uh, I think I would expect this from anybody, but it's a a guarded, yeah, still a very considered. You yeah. know, this is my this is how I am financially. And do you know what I think? I, I think part of that has come out because of the whole pandemic thing. Yeah, that no one is really surprised that an entertainer is struggling. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but yeah, both of my businesses got wiped out. How how do you think I'm doing financially? Um, he don't don't get me wrong here because we've now got quite a few people backing mental theft and Newton's nuggets, and I think, and do you know what? I'm going to touch as much wood as I can when I say this. Even cardboard counts right now. It's made from trees. Um, <laughs> it, it's I think 2022 is going to be massive for both businesses. Um, I really do. And part of that comes down to people like Vicky kicking my backside, people like you pushing me along, people like Guy who was on the show before. I mean, even Guy messaged me last week going, are you speaking at this event? No, I'm not, mate. I haven't spoken to the organiser. Why haven't you? Right, I'm messaging the organiser and you right now. You're in the round robin <laughs> chat. Get it sorted. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Um and then I meet a guy last week who turns around and goes, you know, mental theft is going to be huge. I can see it better than you can. And, mate, 
do you know what? It might be time to, this year could be time that even I go, I'm going to buy the car. Yeah. That's nuts to me right now. Is that going to be near winter? Are you and I going out for a little drive in a soft top with a roof down in the middle of winter? Middle of winter. We're in woolly hats. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, we are. And even if it starts snowing, mate, we are keeping that roof off just because we'll find it funny. Well, I used to own an old MX-5, and uh, I think I drove the roof up for a whole journey three times, and only on two occasions where it the rain turned from light drizzle to such hard rain that I actually had to put the roof up on two occasions. And I had that car for a, a good couple of years. So is it, so is <laughs> that roof was down. Because um, I've had a convertible before, but Cat didn't like it much, so I didn't drive it that much. Um so is it a case of if it rains a bit, you just drive faster, then it doesn't hit you? Um, well, you're, I would probably already be driving at the speed limit, but if I went along at the speed limit, the likelihood is that the rain wouldn't hit you. Awesome. So that's that's the story, right? We just stick to the speed limit. Yeah. Okay. That's the advice. Okay, got it. Got it. Got it. Sensible business podcast. Um. And then, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the nugget in here because if we don't, we're gonna get sacked by our two listeners. Okay, Vicky's nugget of do what's right for you. Seriously, ladies and gents, we are not in a world anymore where you need to worry about the Joneses down the road. You don't need to worry about what Mister and Missus Smith are doing. Let's have a bit of a moment to realise. We are allowed to be selfish every so often. Okay? And I want a massive crowd of listeners to this show that are happy people. Do what's right for you. Sort everyone else for a while. It's okay. Um, I, <sighs> Jesse, do you know what? I could never imagine you stopping doing your photography work. No, I just enjoy it too much. Yeah, but actually, I was thinking about um, like weddings. Like people always talk about a wedding being, oh, it's you know, what's what's your idea of a perfect day? And then all that people do with their weddings is then compromise. I, I see it all the time. You know, oh, I've got yeah. to do this. I've got to invite so and so. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I think, you know what? You don't have to do anything. <laughs> You're done. And if you want to do something that isn't something you do at weddings, do it anyway. Yeah. My cousin, my, well, one of my cousin's weddings, because they don't enjoy formal sit-down dinners, they didn't have one. They just had a nice yeah. buffet, no head table, and everyone just got up and ate what they wanted. Um, and, and no speeches, because they didn't want to make them. And, and it was beautiful. It was just gorgeous. Well, we we had uh, Jen and I really like a like a roast dinner and things like that. But the majority of times when you're cooking for a you know fifty or seventy or hundred and fifty people, depending on the size of your wedding, we were at the bottom end of that scale. Yeah. Um, it's very difficult to get a good roasty <laughs> for that many people and meat yeah. to be the right level because everybody wants theirs overdone for my liking and. You know all the rest of it. So, um, and everybody else would have moaned if the cow had walked in and started eating the side salad. So, yeah. Um, so they wouldn't have been happy if I'd had it how I like it. So we were just like, do you know what? Actually, 
we'll have something that we'll really enjoy. And so we had an afternoon tea. And we really enjoyed it. No. And I can't eat certain things in an afternoon tea, so we got them to make something completely different for me to what they what most of the other people had. Mate, right. Okay, you're getting me on a high horse now. For our wedding, um we, we were looking at all of these fancy menus and and you know Mrs. Pauly and she's a lot quieter than I am and she's a lot she doesn't want to tell people what she wants most of the time. And we're looking at all this stuff and I said, What's the matter? What's wrong? And she just went Oh, you know, I just can't pick. And I said, well, is there something you really want that isn't on the menu? And she went, do you know what? I just love a simple roast chicken dinner. And I looked at the, the person who ran the venue and went, can your chef do roast chicken? She went, yeah, perfect. We'll have that, please. And she went, oh, well, we'll have to work out a price. And I went, yeah, of course you will. But, you know, if that's what we want and we're in this place for the whole day, why not? Yeah. And then uh, we were doing the starters as well. And and Mrs. Pauly picked out a starter that she thought would be lovely for everyone, and I agreed. And then I said, just an off-the-cuff remark of, I'm kind of annoyed because I love the look of the breaded mushrooms and garlic sauce. I mentioned it once, okay? Yeah. Walked away from it. On our wedding day, the starters came out. Everyone got the starter that Kat had ordered. I got breaded mushrooms and garlic sauce. And I just <laughs> went, what the heck, what? And the organiser went, noted down that you'd prefer that. Is that okay? Because if it's not, we can get you some of the other. I was like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> and why not? I didn't, you know, for I, mean, I didn't think of that. But I, I, see, I see people that are so stressed on different forums and things where they're, you know, oh, I'm really close to one of my sisters, but I barely even know one of my sisters. But if I have one of them as a bridesmaid, do I have to have the other? And but I was only going to have two, and my best mate, and blah blah blah. And I was just like, right, ignore all the politics and everything else. Who are the people who you want? And that's yeah. what I always say with these things. But actually, in reality, like I know, like you, I know pe- people who have been extremely popular on this show. People like uh, Chris Dawes when he came on. And a lot of people they've that we've had as guests have gone, do you know what? I don't want to do what everybody else tells me to do anymore. I just want to do it my way. And that's all right. Mate, do you know what? This is the nuggeteer mentality. It <laughs> really is. Um, ah, do, do, anything else you want to say on this? Actually, we haven't picked a nuggeteer for this week. No, we haven't. We probably ought to pause right now. No, 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 no. I, I think <laughs> I've got this. And right, right at the moment, there's two people that are in my head that I want to put forward. Okay, okay. But the one that I'm going to go for, and I know you're going to agree with this, and this guy deserves this. Okay, he's done a lot to help us. I want to put Mr. Simon Clements in as Nuggeteer of the Week. Good shout. Because do you know what? Every time I see that picture of little Paulie or the little Paulie and the little Jesse hugging each other and do that every time I'm really proud of them yeah so, and I'm for those of you watching on YouTube will see that I've got three little Paulies on me right now and one over your shoulder and one over my shoulder and I am the actual real Paulie so I don't have any on me yeah but that's not as good as the Simon one so it's not really it's Simon ones they don't have to shave and it just stays perfect <laughs> So, for this week, 
Jesse, if it's all right with you, I want to put Simon Clement in as our Nuggeteer of the Week. I think that would be perfect. And he's always he's always messaging us, letting us know about yeah how much he loved the show and giving us feedback and all the rest yeah. of it. So I think and then, much and then when we when we stop recording, I'll tell you who the other one that I thought of was. Okay, and and, and they'll be in the pot for next week. There we go. Done. Done. But. We are always open, so just keep tagging us and things, messaging us, all of them things. What Jesse's trying to say is we are really nosy and we love seeing what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. especially especially while you're consuming our nuggets. I wonder if you should really say you're consuming our nuggets. Why not? I think that's a good time to end the show. Ladies and gents, see you next week. Bye. <laughs>